how do we understand the Bible, but the world can't. And what are the things that we need to do so that we can properly understand it? And then we'll look at some scriptures which are greatly difficult to understand because they don't know the steps of proper study and interpretation of the Bible. Okay? So, God has done something very interesting. Let's come to Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. Now, this is quite a thing when you, you stop and, and really contemplate it, because this tells us exactly what is happening when people read the Bible and don't know what they're reading. And then they give a false interpretation of it. Or as we will see, because we will examine a section of Scripture which looks like everyone goes to heaven. And it's one of those things that is preached often in the Protestant churches. Okay. But here is what God has done. Let's pick it up here in verse 9. Isaiah 28. God is the one who is teaching us through his word, through his spirit. And as Russell pointed out, we are to diligently study to show ourselves approved to God, rightly dividing. Now, the word therefore divide means straightly cutting. Now, why is that? Because the Bible is not written like a novel. The Bible is masterfully written so that to everyone who doesn't know what they're reading, it's a mystery. So they give it to those who are educated and say, read this, tell us what it means. They read it and say, well, it's sealed. I don't know. So they give it to someone who's not educated, and he reads it and said, well, how do you expect me to know what it is? Because I'm not learned. Okay. Now, why has God done this that we're going to read? And you will see this is like a coin with two sides. Okay. Let's read it. Verse 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge? Now remember what it says, we're all going to be taught of God. And we're going to see that means with his word, with his spirit, and so forth. And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And that's the key. Right understanding of the doctrine. Those who are weaned from the milk, that is, you can't be a new believer and begin to understand the deep things of God. It's impossible to do. And some of the greatest minds in the world read the Bible 
And they can tell you, well, I don't know what it means. And drawn from the breast. For precept, now mark all of this, precept must be upon precept. That's how the word is rightly divided. Okay? And line upon line. And those lines may be separated by chapter, by verse, by book, by Old Testament, by New Testament. Because God is the one who put the Bible together to make it a mystery to the world and make it understandable for those who are willing to love God and believe him. Okay? Here a little, and there a little. Okay? Now, Here's the other side of the coin. Next verse, verse 11. And with stammering lips in a foreign language, I will speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest he gives to the weary, and this is the refreshing, yet they were not willing to hear. In other words, it's exactly what they needed in their lives, to get their lives straightened out, but they weren't willing to hear. Okay? So then, here's the other side of the coin. Here's what happens. And did you know that the most famous people in the world reject the word of God? And they reject God? And how do you climb high in the society of Satan the devil, but that you reject God and reject his word and embrace the things of Satan the devil? Okay? So then the word of the Lord was to them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward, okay? And be broken and snared and taken. So I've got a little summary on what it takes to believe the word of God. And this is something we need to understand. God has called us to educate us with his word. God has called us so that we are going to be in the first resurrection. God has called us so that we are going to run and take over the world as kings and priests and leaders and administrators and whatever God wants us to do. And you can look at the world today and you can see that Satan is running it, and yet, in the end, he is going to be viewed as a great light bringer. Okay? So let's see what we need to understand the Bible. I'll give you eight points. Number one, you must believe. That is, you must believe in God. You must believe in what he says. You must believe that he is true. And you must have faith. Okay? 
Believing is the action. Faith is the noun. I have faith, which means I believe. Okay? And in the Greek, comes from the same word. Number two, you have to prove that the Bible is true. What did Jesus say? What did he say of the word of God? He said in his prayer to the Father, John 17, your word is the truth. Then the rest of it is, sanctify them with your truth. So this is how then we are made holy because to be sanctified means to be made holy. So that's important. So you must believe that the the Bible is the word of God. Okay? Number three, you must obey God. Whatever you find in the Bible that you read that is something you should do, you must obey it. Which means, and if you obey it, what do you do? You approve it in your mind and you live by it. Okay? Number three, you must love God. Okay? And that ties right in with the one above, keeping his commandments. Okay? You must love God how? With all your heart, mind, and soul, and being. See? That's number four. Number five, you must understand the grace of God, which then has to be with the forgiveness of sin, but more importantly, the grace of God gives us direct connection to God the Father and Jesus Christ in heaven above. Now, as I go through all of these things, we have books and booklets and Messages that you can use to help verify these things. The grace of God. Okay. Number six. You must keep the Sabbath, Passover, and Holy Days. And the first key that people begin using to understand the word of God is when it finally dawns upon them that they need to keep the Sabbath. And that begins to open the door. So that's number six. Number seven is timing. God's timing. Now, much of the timing of God is also based upon the Sabbath, Passover, and Holy Days. But remember Daniel, who gave all of those tremendous prophecies, as we find in the book of Daniel. He wanted to know, oh, Lord, when is this going to be? Well, it wasn't time. So God told him, it's not for you to understand, but it is for the time of the end. So we are here, and the timing becomes important.
Number eight, you need daily prayer and study. Okay, now let's go ahead and take a break. And we'll come back and we will start answering a very difficult section of New Testament scripture concerning Lazarus and the rich man. Why do the Protestants believe that that clearly shows going to heaven and going to hell? So we'll take a break and we'll be back. Now let's continue on, brethren, and let's apply all of these steps on how to understand Scripture, because God has written it in such a way that unless you follow all eight steps in how to understand the Word of God, you can't just pick it up and read it and assume what you think it says. Now, here in Luke 16, concerning Lazarus and the rich man. So let's go there, Luke 16, and let's pick it up here in verse 19. All right? Now, what we're going to do is we're going to read it straight through. And when you read it straight through, it looks like you go to heaven right after you die. And then you go to hell right after the, after the rich man dies. You're going to be tortured in hell. Okay. Let's read it. Verse 19. Now there was a certain rich man, and he was clothed in purple and fine linen, and daily indulged himself in luxury. And there was a certain poor man named Lazarus who laid at his porch full of sores. And he longed to be nourished with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, and the dogs even came and licked his sores. Now it came to pass that the poor man died, and he was carried away by the angel's into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in the grave he lifted up. Now, the King James translates this in hell. Hey. But the word there for grave is Hades, which means the grave. And in the grave he lifted up his eyes in torment, for he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have compassion on me and send Lazarus, so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering because of this flame. And Abraham answered, Child, remember that in your lifetime you receive good things to the full, and likewise Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are suffering. 
And besides all these things between us and you is a great gulf. A great gulf has been fixed so that those who desire to pass from here to you are not able, nor can those from there pass to us. Okay. Very interesting statement, right? And he said, I beseech you then, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that they may earnest, he may earnestly testify to them in order that they may also not come to this place of torment. See, you're going to be in, in hell being tormented forever. And Abraham said to him, now listen carefully. All Protestants, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Then he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one from the dead would go to them, they would repent. And he said to them, If they will not hear Moses and the prophets, they would not be persuaded even if one from the rose from the dead. Okay. Now then, how do we know that this is not going to heaven immediately? And how do we know the timing when a rich man will be raised out of his grave? Now, this is all based upon other scriptures which give us the timing sequence. When do the angels take those who are raised from the dead? Jesus said that that would happen, didn't he? Matthew 24. Let's go read that. Matthew 24, and this is at the very end of the age, in verse 29, Matthew 24. So the first thing we question, we answer is, when was Lazarus taken to Abraham? Okay. Now this means that Abraham also had to be resurrected, right? Okay. So let's begin right here. But immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, this is the great tribulation. And part of it revealing the return of Christ. See, The sun shall be darkened. The moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven. And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Put in your margin of your notes. Revelation 6.12, the opening of the heavens like a scroll. Okay. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven when the heavens open up as a scroll. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming upon the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So it's his return. Okay. Now then, 
when do the angels take those resurrected up to meet Christ? Next verse. And he shall send out his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. That's the last trump. Okay. When is that sounded? Revelation 11. And a resurrection takes place. Sound of a trumpet. We'll read some more verses on that. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Okay. Now. Let's come to 1 Corinthians 15, because this gives us the exact timing. 1 Corinthians 15. We know that Christ was the first one raised from the dead. Now we tie these two scriptures together. When he was born, he was the firstborn of Mary. And remember, the firstborn is counted from the mother, not the father. Because the first engendered by Abraham was Ishmael. And he was the firstborn of the handmaid. But Isaac was the firstborn of Sarah. So likewise, when Mary gave birth, we find in Matthew 1.18 that Jesus is called the firstborn. Okay. Now that you have that, let's project forward to something else in Revelation, the first chapter. Talks about Jesus, who is what? the firstborn of the dead. What does this tell us? This tells us the parallel between a physical birth and a spiritual birth. So what do we conclude with that? That Jesus was born in the flesh, and when he was raised from the dead, Firstborn from the dead, that means he was what? Born again. And he's the only one who has been born again. And that shows that being born again, when you tie that in with John the third chapter, that that must be the resurrection. Okay? So let's talk about this. How the resurrection's going to occur. The timing. All right? So let's read it. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's begin in verse 12. Because also we get an inkling of how false doctrine enters in. But if Christ is being preached that he rose from the dead, how is it that some among you are saying there is no resurrection of the dead? It was starting in Paul's day with believing in the immortality of the soul. Okay. Right then, because that's how they believed in the Greek religion and philosophy. 
Okay. Then he says, For if there is no resurrection from the dead, neither has Christ been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also in vain. Okay. So if there's no resurrection, everything in the, the being preached with the gospel is in vain. Yet that's what the Protestants believe. Okay. And we also are found to be false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if indeed the dead are not raised. And if the dead are not raised, neither has Christ been raised. But he was, and he was seen of over 500 brethren that he talked about first part of the chapter here. But if Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain, and you're still in your sins, and those who have fallen asleep in Christ have then perished. Okay? If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most miserable. But now, listen to this, Christ has been raised from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. That is the wave sheaf offering day. When is the wave sheaf offering day? It is waved on the first day of the week during Passover Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now listen to this next verse. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruit, then those who are Christ at his coming. That's his return. When do the angels take those who are dead and take them up as we know the sea of glass? That's when he's returning. Okay. This answers the question, when was Lazarus raised to be in the bosom of Abraham, his forefather? can only be the first resurrection. Okay? Now notice, afterwards the end comes when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to him who is God and Father, when he shall have put an end to all rule and all authority. That's the resurrection. Okay? Let's come to First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, and let's see this again repeated. So we, first of all, have established then that Lazarus could not have gotten to the bosom of Abraham until he was resurrected. And we have established that there is no resurrection until Christ returns. So when Lazarus died... He didn't immediately go to heaven 
Though when you are reading Luke 16, it kind of gives that understanding. That's why you need to rightly or straightly cut the word of God to put precept upon precept and line upon line and here a little, there a little, okay? Let's pick it up in verse 13 of First Thessalonians 4. First Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I do not wish you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That's how God looks at death. You are fallen asleep. That you not be grieved, even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Christ died and rose again, we just covered that, 1 Corinthians 15, in exactly the same way also, those who have fallen asleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Okay? Now, a lot of them read up to this verse and say, See? You go to heaven. No. What does it mean that God will bring with him? When? Do we come back to the earth with Christ? Revelation 19, that's on trumpets. Resurrection on Pentecost, sea of glass. We get all the instruction and things we need to learn and what we're going to do and how we're going to take over the world and what God is going to do. Then, after the marriage of the Lamb and Christ and the marriage supper. Then we're all ready to come back to the earth, and then we will all be with Christ, resurrected from the dead. Okay? Now listen to how he explains it here, verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we also who are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall in no wise precede those who have fallen asleep. Because the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of, trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Okay. Now, underline, shall rise first. Because only the righteous will be resurrected at the time of Christ's return. And we have in Revelation 20, what does it say? Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign a thousand years. Revelation 20, right? Then the next sentence there tells us this. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years are fulfilled. Okay. All right. So what does that mean? We'll get to that in just a bit. Okay. Now verse 17. 
So then, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds for the meeting with the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. Where is the Lord and all the saints going to be? On the earth. See, if you just read this, you can get the feeling that, oh, we're all in heaven, going to all be up there, see? That's why you have to put the sequence together. And God does not have the sequence laid out all in one place. That's why we have to rightly divide or straightly cut the word of God so that we understand it in relationship to the Sabbath, the Passover, and the Holy Days. Because that gives us the time frame of what God is going to do. See? Now, remember this. What is it that they reject? The Sabbath, Passover, and Holy Days. So therefore, they believe Satan's lie that souls are immortal and go to heaven. How do you answer the question about the immortality of the soul? Ezekiel 18, it says twice. The soul that sins shall die. Now that means the person who is a living being and the life is in the blood, okay? When they die, the soul no longer exists. The soul that sins dies, all right? Let's just come to Revelation 16 for just a minute. Let's see something else. Let's pick it up here in verse 3. Now remember... When are the seven last plagues poured out? After the resurrection. Chapter 15. And we're all on the sea of glass. Okay? That's where Abraham will be, Lazarus will be, all the saints, all at the same time. Verse 3. And the second angel went and poured out his vial into the sea, and it became blood, like that of a dead man. Now notice this phrase, and every living soul in the sea died. That doesn't say that souls are in the sea. It says that every living thing as long as it has life in the flesh, is considered a soul. Now, we can add to that, Solomon asked the question, when a man dies, does his spirit go up? And when a beast dies, does his spirit go down? Okay. Well, it just disintegrates back into the physical earth. All right? Now, let's come to 
Luke 16 again. And let's pick it up and let's see the rest of the story. And then we will ask the question, when is the rich man raised? We know that Lazarus has to be in the first resurrection in order to be in the bosom of Abraham, carried there by the angels. Okay? So all of that timing is completely absent in Luke 16. So we have to get all of that timing from other scriptures. So this is why, if a person pick up the Bible and read it here, that they would be inclined to believe that this is immortal soul and going to heaven. All right? So let's read it. Verse 22. Now it came to pass that the poor man died, and he was carried away by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Okay? That has to be the first resurrection. Christ. Then those who are his, are his when? At his coming. That's the first resurrection. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in the grave, not hell, in the grave he lifted up his eyes in torment, for he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Okay. When are the incorrigible wicked raised? See, what's important here in Luke 16, all the timing of these events are found elsewhere in the Bible. Okay. When does the rich man have consciousness and raise from the dead? And for what purpose? Okay, let's come to Revelation 20 and look at it. Verse 5, verse 4 talks about the first resurrection and reigning with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Okay. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death. Now note this. Second death. What does that mean? How do you die twice? If you lived once and died... Then you face the second death. That means you have to be raised back to life again in order to face the lake of fire. Okay. Verse 7. And when a thousand years have been completed, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Then he goes to make war against Jerusalem. Okay. And... His fate is already taken. We won't get into that here. That's another subject. Okay. Now then, verse 11. 
And this is pictured by what day? Verse 11, let's read it. Then I saw a great white throne and the one who was sitting on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead. All right? Small and great, standing before God. That means they're living again, right? Okay. Now then, we know this. There are two parts to this second resurrection. One part is for those who were blinded and never had an opportunity for salvation. That's the first part of it. And we know from Isaiah 65 that they will live a hundred years and have opportunity for salvation. Now let's read on. Shows it here. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. Okay. Question. If they were blinded and they had not committed the unpardonable sin, they had to be found in the book of life for the first part of the second resurrection. Right? Now then, they have an opportunity for their names to be written in the book of eternal life if they accept the salvation that God gives them. All right? And it's noted by this next sentence. And the dead were judged out of the things written in the books according to their works. So they will have an opportunity to have good works which they didn't have in their first life. Now notice, and the sea gave up the dead that were in them, and death and the grave, now very interesting, little sidebar right here, the King James says, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Okay. How can hell be cast into hell. No. The grave gave up the dead that were in them and they were judged individually according to their works. Okay. Those who enter in, who are converted, they'll enter into the kingdom of God. Then it says here, and death and the grave were cast into the lake of fire. Okay. This is the second death. That's what we're looking at with the rich man. The rich man, let's go back to Luke 16. Last sentence in verse 22. Luke 16. And the rich man also died and was buried. The only time he can be resurrected is according to Revelation 20. Because he's depicted as one who committed the unpardonable sin. So think about all the elite of the world that worship Satan, the devil, 
and have all the luxuries and everything today. So this rich man depicts all of the elite who have sold their soul to Satan, the devil, and have the second death to look forward to. And they will be resurrected like the rich man. And so let's read it here. Verse 23. And in the grave, he lifted up his eyes and was in torment. Now think about it. All of those who committed the unpardonable sin, they're going to be raised and they have no opportunity for salvation because they have already rejected it. So they're going to be in torment. Okay. For he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have compassion on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm suffering because of the flame. Anticipating the pain and torture of being thrown into the lake of fire. And that will be just like Sodom and Gomorrah. It will burn them up completely. There will not be even one human tooth left. Okay. Then Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received good things to the full, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he has been comforted, and you are suffering. Okay. So then the rich man, not having any concept that he's been in a grave for centuries, says, well, how about my brothers? Can't they be saved? Okay. Now, notice what it says. For all of you who believe that the Old Testament has been done away and we don't need to keep anything from the Old Testament, listen to what Abraham says. Verse 29. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Where do we find all the holy days? The Old Testament and New Testament. Where do we find the Sabbath day? Right from the beginning. And God then has had different aspects placed in different places in the Bible and some of them in the most unexpected place. All right, we'll look at a couple of those in just a minute. So this also tells us, verse 14, if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, they would not be persuaded even if one rose from the dead. So what shows what? Unpardonable sin. 
no chance of repentance, even though you are afraid and ready to be cast into the lake of fire. Okay? Now, the whole Bible is written, especially in the prophets, in a way where it is line upon line, precept upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. All right? Let's just take a few minutes and go to Isaiah 40. Let's begin in verse 1. Now, this is the opening to the Messiah by George Handel. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. Cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Question. Has her warfare been accomplished? No. Jerusalem is threatened every single day, right? By all of the Muslims around them. So this one verse right here, boom, refers to when? When the kingdom of God is set up on earth. Okay? And all the saints in Christ are ruling. Now notice the next verse. This does not follow in sequence. In time order. It follows in sequence in the way the verses were written. But not in their fulfillment. So... The first two verses have to do with the return of Christ and the kingdom of God set up on the earth, which is pictured by what? The Feast of Tabernacles, right? Okay. Notice verse 3. Completely out of any chronological sequence. Now that's how God has made the Bible a mystery for those who will not follow the eight steps on how to understand it. See? Notice verse 3. A voice is calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What is the fulfillment of this one? John the Baptist. Next verse. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That's the return of Christ. Right? So you see what we have here. We have... In the first two verses, the millennium. We have the next verse, John the Baptist. 
we have the next verse, the second coming of Christ. And the next two verses, okay? So all of this shows how God has designed the Bible that you can't just take and read it like a novel and all of the chronology follows in sequence, verse after verse after verse after verse. Because God has put, as we will see next week, the same thing. Different aspects of these verses can only be understood if you keep the Sabbath and the holy days and the Passover of God. Can't be understood any other way. Simple things, like the book of Proverbs, those are beginning introductions on how you can begin to understand about life. Okay? That's for anybody at any time, having nothing to do with a chronological sequence. But all of the prophets have been designed by God this way, so we must look to the Word of God and how it is structured according to the Sabbath and Holy Days to understand when they are fulfilled. So we'll go ahead and close there, and we'll pick it up next week. Remember, send in your questions so we can answer them next week, and we'll take each one one at a time.